and that means it's a new episode of BAM Weekly. That's Boris and Matt Weekly, the show where Boris and Matt take you on a guided tour through sports, entertainment, and sports entertainment, a.k.a. wrestling. We're your hosts. I'm Boris, and as always, I am joined by Matt. Bonjour. How's everybody doing out there? We hope you're doing very well. Boris, we talk about sports, we talk about comedy, and we talk about pro wrestling, which is a combination of sports and comedy a lot of times. We're back to the regular format here today. How you feeling, big homie? Before I answer that, I need to say oftentimes wrestling is a bit of a dramatic comedy, and sometimes it's a comedy of errors. Nice. Like where your head's at. Like where your head's at, buddy. But um, yeah, there's been some, there's been some comedies of errors. Uh, we're gonna talk about a, a couple of uh, you know blundering messes, much like this intro has been. But how you doing, big homie? I'll show you a blundering mess because we have to <laughs> tell our listeners what this episode is gonna be about, and then we can have our back and forth. That's that's typically how it works, buddy. Hey, man, listen, I'm, I'm coming in hot. You don't even know. I got Wrestle Kingdom on the brain, 22-ish matches to talk about. I'm just ready. I love it. And that's exactly what we're going to be talking about because on the sports side, it is NFL season wrap-up. It is week, whatever it is, 18. I have to keep 18. reminding myself. It's like, <laughs> no, it's not 17. It's 18. Week 18 of the NFL. Final weekend. Crazy weekend. Tons of math. Steiner math that we've had to do in order to figure out who has to beat whom and where they have to beat them and at what time they have to beat them for the possibility of them having 33 and one-third chances of making the playoffs. <laughs> and then on the wrestling side, we have NJPW, New Japan Pro Wrestling, Wrestle Kingdom, Nights 1 and 2, to review. My God. You know... This is one of the episodes, Matt, where I just want to like say, let's restart. But no, we're just going to keep we're going to keep going with the flow. How are you? I think we're nailing it, buddy. I think we're nailing it. We're nailing something. (laughs) But uh, yeah, lots to discuss. Wrestle Kingdom 16 nights one and two from January 4th and 5th. 2022 we're also going to briefly chat a little big picture hangman versus danielson we're going to leave the uh the detailed aew review to the old fox they do a great job we don't need to steal their thunder bars but i did want to ask you because we are banned we do rate matches i did want to ask you about that match a couple specific big picture questions we'll talk about it after football talk exactly there's a lot of football talk um yeah you know i gotta say uh, yeah, this this season's been crazy, but we're gonna get there in a little bit, man. It's it's been a crazy few days. So I'm back at work. Let's start there. Oof. I'm back at work. Yeah. Woof, woof, indeed. Let me tell you that. Um, Vacation, Boris is uh, the, the the summer of Boris. The winter of Boris has ended. The winter of Boris has ended. I am back at work, and things have been going fairly well. You know, it's just kind of weird. And it, it's like it's it's just crazy how many people are away for the obvious reason and how yeah. many people are like not feeling well because of that same obvious reason. It's just like crazy right now. Um, and, and, and even we in the office setting are going to be short staffed pretty soon, which really sucks when you provide services to people. Right. Like it, it's 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 the unfortunate thing. So work's been a little I don't even it's not even been stressful. It's kind of like. 
okay, how do we cope? But that's all right, man. But that's just my day job, that on the night job kind of stuff, all the podcasting that I've been doing. That's been a lot of fun. Um, I was a little under the weather this week. I may have mentioned that during the NXT talk, our other show. And uh, I, I just needed, like, between technology not working well and my you know trying to save my voice because of just the sheer amount of shows that i've been doing recently kind of took the the geek podcast off which was a lot of fun just edited that show you can go check it out at itscanonpodcast.com um there's a pretty fun show that tyler and phil did um if you do listen to that show number one thank you and number two next week we're going to be uh talking uh 2021 and we're going to do our 2021 uh, kind of uh, a check back, a, a, a look back at 2021, the best and the worst of a lot of stuff. And uh, yeah, and then on the SNME side, the BAM side, yeah, things have been crazy. And Matt, 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 I have to ask yes. you, do you know what BAM's actual name is? Uh, I believe it's BAM. I believe the technical full term, Boris, is BAM Sports Entertainment Weekly. Yep. Technically, it's BAM Sports Entertainment. The show was right. called okay. BAM Sports Entertainment Weekly. Some people call it BAM Weekly. Some people call it BAM Sports and Entertainment. Like, it's, just, it's with so many variations. But I think we've narrowed it down, my friend. And I think we are going to officially be rebranding very soon. The BAM is going to stick around, but it's everything after that that we're going to kind of uh, clean up and make it yeah. uniform because streamline. It, I got to say, it drives me nuts when even I, I'm the worst of it. I, I'm the first offender to call us like five different name uh, show names in the same episode. Yeah, absolutely. But yeah, it's fine. But yeah, we should stick with something for branding purposes here in 2022. So yeah, BAM Weekly, here to four, henceforth, and uh, such things. But uh, yeah, we are still the sports entertainment catch-all show. The vibe isn't going to change at all. But yeah, we just kind of need to clean up the name a little bit, homie. I agree exactly. Exactly. And you know what? I got to say, so um, people have been asking me. It's, it's been crazy. Uh, like uh, I've been getting and sorry if I don't respond right away on Facebook. Um, sometimes I'm oh, like, no. just busy. We I'm not lives. talking to you. I'm talking to the listeners. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, you're usually pretty prompt with your messages. Uh, responses don't tell the anyway. that. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. All right, let's definitely not restart this show. Oh, I love it. All right, so so yeah, because sometimes I'm busy. Sometimes I'm talking to Matt. Uh, he takes priority, not full priority, <laughs> but priority often, because uh, we're talking about like shows, we're talking about wrestling, we're talking about sports, we're we're laughing at each other's horrible uh, uh, love lives, you know, stuff like that. So um, if I don't respond, it's typically because I'm busy, and I do try to get back to everybody. But people have been asking now that ROH is done. What am I going to be doing over at Slam? And essentially, just like BAM, I'm going to be doing the catch-all. I'm going to be filling in for people when they can't do a wrestling report. I have some uh, editorial columns that I'm going to be working on, actually working on a story right now with the one, the only, the Bob Kapoor. Um, and it's kind of like a, a, a I'm, I'm filling in some parts of the year in review. I'm going to really focus on ROH, obviously, because that's kind of like my wheelhouse over at Slam. Um, and I'm working on some pretty big interviews. I'm kind of excited for some of those interviews uh, for them to come down. Uh, and I'm actually really going to be focusing 
on independent wrestling right now. Uh, so, you know, for sure, next uh, Sunday, that's January the 16th, I'm going to be uh, covering the Terminus pay-per-view on Fight Network or Fight TV. Um, that's the Jonathan Gresham show from Atlanta that was postponed like 20,000 times because of the pandemic. And, uh, you know, the, the card is looking fun. They have an awesome roster, and it's Jonathan Gresham. So, like, that's going to be a fun show to kind of cover. So that's essentially what I'm going to be doing at, uh, at Slab nowadays. I know some people have been asking. Uh, but, yeah, that, that's pretty much pretty much where I'm at, man. How, how's everything nice. in the world of Matt? Nice, man. I'm uh, Well, I'm really glad to hear that, buddy. Yeah, just in general on BAM here, we're going to be talking a little more independent wrestling. But yeah, man, that's really dope. Good for you. Good for Slam and good for BAM. And uh, just now I'm realizing those things rhyme, which is, uh, you know, that's fun. Uh, I'm pretty good, man. I actually have a date on Saturday night. I was hoping to uh, to maybe pitch in and do the Battle of the Belts review, but I, unfortunately I have a real social life uh, engagement. So that's actually kind of nice. I'm looking forward to it. Uh, you know, for once, Tinder is uh, it's going well. My enjoying this uh, this new lady friend I've been talking to quite Very a lot. Cool. It's, uh, Very good, cool. good vibes. Very cool. Good luck with that, man. Um, yeah, I don't know what's going on with my own love life sometimes, but that's for <laughs> another show, another day behind a paywall, so no one can listen in. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough, big homie. Fair enough. But yeah, no, life is good, man. Just slugging away. Actually enjoying a nice 4 p.m. coffee, so I should be lit all uh, all night, just wired. That's pretty cool. Um, got a little, do I have a shot of Bailey's in it, Boris? Well, uh, long-time BAM listeners will know that I'm now a Bailey's guy in 2022, so you bet your bottom dollar I do. And, uh, man, I'm just ready. I think it's time to start talking some NFL football. Exactly. While well, he takes a sip out of his Medieval Times cup and I take a sip out of my Donkey Kong whatever looking cup, Matt, walk us through NFL Week 18, walk us through the Steiner math, the, the, the what has to happen for certain teams to make the playoffs. This is your wheelhouse. You love this stuff. Go ahead. Yes, sir. Thanks, buddy. Thank you for the intro. Yeah, I love the stuff. And we'll go through it as quickly as possible. The NFL playoff scenarios for week 18, the final week of the regular season. So let's start with the AFC. We have Tennessee currently in first, and they control their own destiny at 11 and 5. So they have already clinched a playoff spot. Tennessee makes the playoffs if they beat, well, sorry, they, they win the AFC and make the bye. Don't have to play in the first round if they beat Houston at one o'clock they play the four and 12 houston texans so should be tennessee wrapping it up having a nice big win and clinching the afc there. should be if 10 should, should be. be kansas city also at 11 and 5 if tennessee loses boris kansas city all they have to do is beat the seven and nine denver broncos that game is at 4 30 so kansas city's gonna know how hard they have to try based on what Houston can do in the Tennessee versus Houston game. Matt, this is this is the thing. That game, that 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 scenario alone bothers me. And this is why I love the way that soccer does it with their decision day. A lot of countries in the world do this. MLS does this. Yes. yes. Um, and that is essentially they play every game at the same time so if and, and i know that logistically it's very difficult to do that here in north america but this is the way that mls does it 
Um, and, and I know what makes it difficult is the fact that in the NFL, it's not an East-West division. It's, it's it's very, you know, the parody is all over the place because of the AFC-NFC stuff. Um, but that's a discussion that we can have another day. But essentially, everyone in in the East plays at 3.30 Eastern. So that way... You know, you can't uh, help another team or, or or not try as much, right? And then yeah. uh, the West game, uh, the West Coast games also start at three thirty West. So again, same scenarios, right? And I know it's very difficult to do that in the NFL, but I wish they can figure something out so that, like, you know, because you know there are certain times that fishy stuff happens. Absolutely. I think the biggest thing, man, is they're not going to lose. They like to stagger it. They're not going to lose that big or three or four big, uh, like, what is it, 430? It's always between 415 and 430 uh, in the East Coast. And it's prime prime one o'clock time in the West Coast. So I think they like to stagger it. I, I don't see it ever, uh, ever changing. I agree. But I, I, I do agree that in, in the spirit of fairness, you know, competitive balance, it absolutely should. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's just, it's, you know, it's one of those love to have type stuff. Like, you know, hey, I would love to be in a relationship, but that's probably not going to happen anytime soon. So, <laughs> <laughs> oh, geez. Oh, buddy. We, buddy I, do we have to have a talk? Oh, no, we'll be fine. You'll be good, homie. <laughs> anyway, I am no, joking. They, the, <laughs> joking. I am joking. Uh, <laughs> well, the NFL is not going to give up there. Like, uh, even if it's only three, four thirty games, and of course the Sunday nighter, they're not going to give those up. So that's the thing, I, right? The sense. NFL, the yeah. TV, the TV contracts are just worth. That is the NFL's worth, right? So, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not. It's never going to happen. It's never going to happen. This is a no. pipe dream. So. So, so, yeah, basically going down the line, Tennessee first in the AFC. They control their own destiny. If Tennessee loses Kansas City next up, they have to beat Denver. They would become the first seed. If Kansas City and Tennessee both lose, the Cincinnati Bengals, currently at 10-6, and six, have an outside shot of winning the AFC. They need Tennessee to lose, KC to lose, and they need the Buffalo Bills to win. And then Cincinnati, if they beat the Cleveland Browns minus Baker Mayfield, Cincinnati will win the AFC. That's, you know what? I, that's not the craziest scenario to be in. Um, that's crazy, man. A lot of a lot of what ifs. And this is the thing that like really sucks from a sports point of view is when you lose control of your own destiny the way that the Miami Dolphins did last week by losing to Tennessee. Yes, absolutely. And the Dolphins will not be mentioned uh, anymore on this podcast because they don't have a chance of making the playoffs. Uh, but yeah, so Buffalo, actually, they can't win the uh, the AFC. They can't get the bye, but they can still clinch the AFC East and a top four seed by just beating the New York Jets. So Buffalo plays the Jets at 4 p.m. And if Buffalo wins that game, they will clinch the AFC. Now, New England or the AFC East not the AFC. New England has a chance to clinch the entire AFC. They could still finish at 11 and 5 and win the AFC. What they need to do for that to happen is they need Casey to lose and Tennessee to lose and Buffalo to lose. And then they would win the East and win the uh, entire AFC with a win over Boris. I lied to you. Our Miami Dolphins. They're playing New England. Yeah, exactly. Um, and it, 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 it's funny because, like, I don't know why. <laughs> Miami plays well against two two particular opponents, Tom Brady and New England. 
Yeah, exactly. And obviously those two franchises were married for a long time. But even when Brady left, we still we still do pretty well against the Patriots. So, yep. yeah, I, I'm not uh, it'll be it'll be nice if we finish nine and eight. Why not? Screw up. Uh, screw up a couple draft picks there along the way. <laughs> but uh, yeah. So, OK. So, again, Tennessee at the, at the top. If Tennessee loses Kansas City uh, in second, Cincinnati in third, Buffalo fourth, New England in fifth. All of those teams will make the NFL playoffs no matter what happens. Next up, we have the Indianapolis Colts who need to win to make the playoffs at nine and seven. Boris, the plus side for Colts fans, they're playing Jacksonville two and 14, led by Tony Khan at quarterback. I, I believe that's correct. I, I believe so also. And I cannot wait to see this protest that that's going to go down. Yeah, have you heard about that? Have you have you read this? Have you heard about this? But yeah, no, Jacksonville fans protesting the uh, horrible state of their team. Uh, so, you know, I, I, I can't say I blame them. Indianapolis Colts should absolutely crush Jacksonville and romp into the playoffs yep. as the sixth seed. Yep, agreed. All right, so next up we have, this is, this is pretty interesting here. If the Indianapolis Colts manage to somehow lose to Jacksonville, if Jacksonville actually pulls off the upset, the Raiders and Chargers would get into the playoffs both on a tie. Actually, so sorry, so the, the Colts have to lose and Baltimore has to beat Pittsburgh. So there are a lot of moving parts there and the Colts are not going to lose. But in the situation where Jacksonville beats the Colts and Baltimore beats Pittsburgh, Vegas and the Chargers in the Sunday nighter would literally have no incentive to play. They would they would actually it would be strategically sound for them to kneel out every possession and go for the tie so they both are fresh and completely healthy coming into the playoffs. All right, let's say this happens. Can you imagine what the NFL would do if they literally say we are not playing this game, we will kneel every possession? I'm sure the NFL has already sent a couple phone calls out and be like, hey, like you will be fined. You will be suspended, whatever it is like they will be. We'll punish you secretly. You'll end up in the bottom of a river with cement shoes. I don't know exactly what the punishment would be for us. But yeah, there's no chance it would ever happen, chiefly because Jacksonville is going to get smoked by Indianapolis. But there's a on paper, there's a slight chance that we could see kneel down after kneel down on Sunday night football. And if you love chaos, I think you're cheering for that. Oh, dude, it, it would literally be the finger poke of doom for the NFL. Yeah, absolutely. It would literally be that. It would be so hilarious. But yeah, so in that Vegas versus Chargers game, that again is the Sunday nighter. So the Chargers control their own destiny. If they win, they will make the playoffs. Vegas, if they win, uh, they will make the playoffs as well. That's pretty much for the seventh seed right there. Sounds so good. It, Yes, yes, absolutely. And uh, there is an outside chance that the 8-7-1 Steelers and the 8-8 eight eight Ravens could get in. Pittsburgh clinches a playoff berth with a win, an Indianapolis loss, and either Vegas or the Chargers to win, as long as that game does not end in a tie, hence why it would benefit them to go to a tie. Baltimore clinches a playoff berth with a lot of help. They need to win. They need the Chargers to lose. They need the Colts to lose and Boris, they actually need new England to win. They need Miami to lose. So Miami might spoil Baltimore's plans yet. That's crazy. That is actually crazy. It's like, you know, and, and I think a lot of people at the beginning of the season were kind of wondering, is this 
new playoff format is the longer season good and clearly there's going to be huge readings on Sunday because of just the sheer amount of possibilities and also this has been one of the craziest years in the NFL like we've seen some craziness we like we've seen some weeks where where people probably lost thousands and thousands of dollars because their teams lost right um yeah so so I think the experiment begrudgingly has been a success yeah, I'm okay with it. I'm excited for another playoff team. I kind of I kind of have been a fan of this seven team scenario. Only the winner of the AFC and the NFC get buys. I like that. So yeah, what we're probably gonna see Boris are the Colts win and that would lock up the sixth seed, and then the seventh seed would go to the winner of the Chargers and the Raiders. If the Colts lose though, buddy, whoo boy, that'll be a lot of fun. Yeah. Um so, yeah, so in the NFC, it's a lot easier to comprehend. The Green Bay Packers have already clinched the bye. They have clinched the NFC. They will finish first in the National Football Conference. We have the Rams in the playoffs, the Bucks in the playoffs, the Cowboys in the playoffs, Arizona in the playoffs, and Philadelphia in the playoffs. The Saints can still catch the 49ers. So New Orleans has to beat Atlanta and San Francisco has to lose to the Rams. That There's a chance that happens because the Rams are playing to clinch the division because if the Rams lose and the Cardinals win, the Cardinals will take over the top spot. They will get a top four seed and a home game in round one. So the Rams do have to try, which doesn't bode well for San Francisco. There is a chance that New Orleans will squeak into the playoffs. Yeah, that's crazy. And what's crazy is the fact that you know, New Orleans has lost some of their control. Um, you know, they, they, they still have a bit of control of their own destiny. But it would be crazy to think that that loss against Miami was the one that sealed them and <laughs> sealed their fate, right? Like, how crazy is Of yeah. all the teams. Yeah, and you can pick any loss, obviously. But we're Dolphins fans, so we're going to choose that one, Boris. That's the way it goes. But, yeah, I'm excited for it. It will be a fun week 18, and I love the NFL playoffs. Those are always fun. We always get a huge upset or two. It very rarely shakes down where the top seed plays the top seed. And even then, if Tennessee wins the AFC, for example, I don't think anyone thinks they're the favorite. I would still say Kansas City is pretty clearly the favorite in the AFC. So who knows how it shakes down? Just looking at this, what do you think the Super Bowl is? Is gun to your head right now? Oh man, I would have to say uh, Bucks uh, Patriots. Like I, I'm, I'm, oh, I seriously gross. think it's going to be. I hate it. I hate it. But that's a, it's a <laughs> legit what I think it is. Uh, it'll be the Brady Bowl or unfortunately the Bills. Ooh, ooh, the, the Buffalo Bills. I think we're going to see Kansas City back in the Super Bowl. Wouldn't it surprise me to see Kansas City versus Green Bay, Aaron Rodgers versus Mahomes, Super Bowl showdown. Looking at it right now, that's kind of what I'm, I'm looking at. That's kind of how I'm feeling. But we're not going to pencil in picks until next week, Boris. We'll do a full playoff preview, I'm sure. Exactly. That sounds great, man. Uh, thanks for that, and thanks for taking the time to do the ma- the, the math there, because I know that, th- that this season left a lot of possibilities open. Uh, so, yeah, so thanks for doing that. And having said that, I believe it is time for us to move into wrestling chat. How does that sound? Sounds like a plan, Stan. Yeah, I'm glad to do it, too. And thank the good people at ESPN.com and NFL.com for doing the vast majority of that work for me. 
All right, thanks. Um, all right, so we're going to kick things off. We're going to talk a little bit of AEW Dynamite. Like we said at the top of the show, uh, on the SNME feed, uh, we're going to let the old fucks, All Elite Weekly, take the entire show. But I believe that you wanted to talk a little bit about Hangman Page, uh, Brian Danielson, part two. Yes. What yes. do you want to talk about? So, in your opinion, Boris, better or worse than part one? I think it, the conversation's got to start there. Better. I like this better. match more. Wow. Interesting. And I think that's the popular opinion. I liked the previous match more. And I know these are huge nitpicks. But the, the thing is, there were two moments in this match where I was like, oh, that's kind of lame and dumb. And it took me out of it slightly. And... There were no moments in the entire 60 minutes that I felt that at all. In fact, I just got more invested and more into the story and more into the work as that match went on. So, eh, I don't know. I thought this one was a little worse, but still obviously an all-time classic, a beautiful professional wrestling match. But I think both main events on Wrestle Kingdom were quote-unquote better, whereas I think the 60-minute match was like a five-star, like, perfect match, you know? So that was my read on it, but I'm interested to hear because I feel like the majority of people do prefer this one to the first one. Look, there were there were things of this one that I didn't like, right? But I just, I, what ultimately it comes down to for me is that this one had a clear-cut winner. I understand the long-term booking that they wanted to get to this point, so I can't appreciate that first match. I always do appreciate a draw. I love the fact that it went 60 minutes, you know, not your, you know, not 30. It went 60 minutes. Um, but then mm -hmm. this match, you know, it, it just for me, it's just the fact that there was a clear cut winner in Hangman Page. Um, you know, for me, overall, that's what that's what what cements my decision. Now, having said that, there were some nitpicks that I do want to talk about. Number one, blood. Not every AEW match needs blood by God. <laughs> uh, the blood didn't bug me at all I can't argue with that point But if any AEW match did call for some blood I think this one did So, But your greater point of every AEW match Doesn't need blood and they do blood too much Absolutely true Also Can we please protect uh, Brian, uh, Daniel Bryan's Brian Danielson's head I was so no. afraid for him at, at points In last night's match I mean, everything was pretty safe, but it's just, like, unnecessary. Like, we don't even need that illusion. Honestly, I don't feel like it adds to the match. And two things that bugged me were the dead eye, which Daniel Bryan sold like he was, like, dying, like he was having a seizure. The old, but it's the old Terry Funk, Devon Dudley sell, you know yeah. what I mean? But the thing is, it was cheesy and bad in 1970 when Terry Funk did it, too, in my opinion. Yeah. I don't know. They, the fact that the dead eye on the floor missed by two feet and then he started selling like Hulk Hogan, it was just, it was a Hulk Hogan sell. It was Hulk Hogan selling the Undertaker's tombstone in 1991. So that took me out of the match a little bit, just a little bit. And uh, yeah, and there, you know, there, it was just the blood is one thing. Blood didn't bug me at all, though, man, I got to say. But uh, yeah, I don't know. I just didn't think it was the absolute brilliant, flawless piece of storytelling that the first one was. It was still incredible, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was still an incredible match. I loved it. It was such a good match. I'm sure it's going to be hitting our 122 top oh, yeah. list this year. A million, hundred million percent, yeah. It's, uh, yeah, if I had to put a number out on it, I would say four and a half buckets of blood on that one, Boris. It was, a, it was an A-plus match for sure, for sure, for sure. Yeah, a hundred percent. All right, so that's one set of hot takes that we have and before we start talking about new japan pro wrestling wrestle kingdom 16 i have another hot 
uh, question for you. And, Hit me. Uh, um, and, and Tuesday, January the 4th, we saw Wrestle Kingdom Night 1 and NXT 2.0, New Year's Evil, both happening at the same, well, not the same time, but the same night, I should say. Um, and I need to ask you, after watching both shows, which one did you like more? So this this might sound blasphemous, and like if I could go back to September, I I probably would slap myself in the face for saying this, you know, September me when NXT 2.0 made the switch. But I promise you, man, uh, I would have rather had sat down and watched the two-hour NXT New Year's Evil way over the five-hour Wrestle Kingdom Night One. Having said that, nothing on New Year's Evil was even close to Okada. That was the best thing on either show. But if we're talking which show was better, two-hour NXT versus five-hour Wrestle Kingdom, which you could argue was a two-match show, I'm going uh, NXT New Year's Evil. A way more satisfying, better watch. Yeah, exactly. At the end of the day, that's that's exactly how I felt. Now, we took this to the polls. We took this to the S Enemy Radio Facebook group, um, and we wanted to ask people because it was a bit of a hot topic that night, and we might as well talk about the results here. Um, so the question was, simply put, which was the better show? NJPW Wrestle Kingdom Night 1 or NXT New Year's Evil? 69 Noise percent of people said NXT New Year's Evil. There you go. And I bet if we asked what the match of the night was, definitely the main event of of NJPW would have won. But yeah, man, it just was a better show. It was an easier show to watch. It was more fun to watch. It was a better show. Exactly. Now, all right, let's focus now on New Japan Pro Wrestling and let's talk about this before we get into the results. Because, you know, I want to wrap my head around a couple stuff and I want to bounce some ideas off of you. Now, we know that New Japan, uh, they've been struggling a little bit. You know, the, the, they're literally stuck on an island on their own. And it's pretty difficult right now with the pandemic and visas and, 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 and transport and getting people back and forth. Uh, there's certain rules that prevent this from happening and you know whether it be the quarantine rules whether it be visa rules whether it be travel bans whether it be you know there's just so many things right now that's stopping a lot of foreigners going to japan and vice versa right so having said that you know i think new japan was kind of you know i don't want to i don't want to give them a free pass because you know i don't want i just don't want to but I do want to say that, you know, New Japan, you know, they they really should have taken a look at whether they really wanted to do not one, not two, but three nights of Wrestle Kingdom. Yeah, this this Wrestle Kingdom could easily have been one night, especially under the given circumstances. I think it would have made a lot of sense. And I I heard they had, what, 6,000 people in for Wrestle Kingdom Night 2, I believe it was. I think it was something like 14,000 Night 1 and 6,000 Night 2. I believe that's what Dave Meltzer said on his latest Wrestling Observer News Radio Please forgive me. Correct me if I'm wrong. I don't mean to put words in Dave's mouth, but I think if you go back and check the tape, that's what he said. Anyway, 6,000 people for that show, they could have made it two nights. They easily could have made it two nights, but then you lose the Osprey match, probably, I think. You lose that awesome because Okada needed to get the belt. Yeah, that essentially you would lose that match. Um, and, and yeah, that, that's, that's the, that's the crying shame there, right? Uh, but, but, 
you kind of save you just save a lot of headaches now the other thing is that a lot of people who were complaining and 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 i want to i don't want to say apologists but a lot of people who have been defending japan and wrestle kingdom especially night one they've been kind of in the boat and the camp of well you know they're saving themselves for night two how do you feel about that possible excuse well, that's uh, it's a little bit of a cop out. I think that's like, yeah, like you said, that's like an apologist's take. I think that's visible in certain wrestlers like a Tanahashi, for example, and a Kenta. They were saving themselves. But that's not to say like that was a mandate. It's not like it was told to people, hey, guys, go and half ass it on night one and then really do actually try on night two. You know what I mean? It's just when one of your matches is a semi main event in the Tokyo Dome and one of your matches is a six man tag in the opener. It's just human nature. It's just makes sense which one you're going to you save yourself a little bit for. Right. So, yes, yes and no. It wasn't obviously a, like a mandate. It was and was like they slacked off on night one but in certain spots it just kind of kind of made sense for certain guys to yeah take take their foot off the gas a little for sure yeah but the, but you know but that that just like kind of it kind of sucks in the sense that you clearly always want to give the fans the best show possible every single night right and, and I'm, I'm not saying that that's not what they didn't do um but it just kind of sucks because like night one just this entire wrestle kingdom just felt a little less special than they have in from previous years yeah and it's a problem with wrestlemania too it's like those years where christmas comes along and you're just not feeling the spirit you know there's no snow on the ground you didn't see enough christmas specials or hear enough christmas music perhaps and you're just not feeling that spirit you know that holiday vibe i kind of wasn't feeling the holiday vibe on this one although having said that my two favorite matches of the year were the two main events of wrestle kingdom night one and two so far so i think they're the best matches of all of 2022 all this whole long horrible year slash week and it hasn't been horrible it's just a, just a joke but yeah man anyway it's it still delivers in the ring at the top top level the very best new japan matches are still absolutely incredible and yeah. that's really what i want out of this promotion so i'm satisfied yeah look I'm, I'm not i'm not saying that i'm not satisfied i am satisfied uh it's just you know these are the things right like i'm trying to view this as a impartial a uh, person who talks and analyzes and, and and podcasts about wrestling constantly, right? Like I'm uh, kind of taking a step back, right? Um, but yeah, overall, like the shows were, were, were good. They were perfectly fine, especially night two, especially that main event from night two, which we're going to be talking mm. about a little. But without further ado, let's get to it because there are 22 matches to talk about, maybe even more. Um so I think it's to... I think it's 20. I think the actual it's a round number of 20, I believe, that we're covering here, including all pre-shows, uh, if my math is correct. But yeah, man, let's just get right into it. We're going to kind of speed review a lot of this, starting with night one's pre-show, the New Japan Rambo, Boris. Yep. So the New Japan Rambo, the final four will qualify for the fatal four way Uh uh, King of Pro Wrestling 2022 Provisional Championship match. He are were the participants. You had Chase Owens. You had Aaron Hanari. You had uh, Kosei Fujita. You had Yutu uh, Nakashima. You had Ryohei Oiwa, uh, Master Wato. Uh, you had uh, Hiroyoshi 
Tenzin, Minoru Suzuki, Satoshi, Kojima, Takamichinoku, uh, Sima, which was awesome to see. Um, yeah. You had uh, Tomoaki, Hanma, you had uh, you had Doki, you had Yuji Nagata, you had uh, Yoshinobu Kanemaru, you had Togi Makabe, Bad Luck Fale, uh, Tatsumi Fujinami, and Toru Yanu. Nice to see Fujinami coming out there. I think he's like, what has he got to be 65, 70 now these days, Fujinami? Still moving around halfway decently. I I, I hope I'm moving around that well at 70, Boris. Yep. But uh, yeah, it was very nice to see him. But this was uh, an average to bad Royal Rumble with a bunch of old men and undercarders in the match. It went 27 minutes and 14 seconds. The final four, as you said, moved on and basically won the match. And those final four combatants were Chase Owens, Sima, Minoru Suzuki and Toru Yanu, who uh, just basically came into the ring and was awarded to be the winner because he lost in five seconds. Yep, exactly. Um, and, and I think you said it best uh, that this is this was a average to bad royal uh, battle royal with a bunch of old people and 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 mid carders and open card or card guys. Now, Matt, as the ratings guy, I gotta ask yep. you, how would you rate this match? I think we're going to go because it was it wasn't without its charm, but I still wouldn't even call it an average match. So I think that sounds like a classic two kingdoms out of five, Boris. It's a 40 percent King Hacksaw Jim Duggan percentage. All right. Then we get to the main card in the first match was a grudge match at that show with Dick Togo versus Yo. Yeah, a little uh, junior heavyweight hatred, although I don't think I really felt the hate in this match enough. I feel like they didn't quite get into, like, you know, second gear or third gear. Yeah. I don't know. I'm not a... I'm not a car guy, Boris, but they were stuck in first gear, I think, and uh, yeah, they didn't quite hit the hit their stride. It was still a good match, but you know, it was, it was like basically just okay. Uh, here's the thing: now looking back at this in hindsight, is 2020. This kind of set the set the tone for the night, right? Like where I was really looking forward to these two. I think these two are fantastic, but. It just it was missing something. I don't know what that something was. It's but uh, it was for sure missing something, and the match was 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 good. But I was honestly expecting a lot better. At the end of the day, uh, Yo got the pinfall. Yes, Yo in twelve minutes and thirty two seconds. The good guy Yo bins the bad guy show with an O'Connor roll uh, bridge down with wrist clutch. I believe he calls it the five star clutch. It's a wrist clutch O'Connor roll for the historians out there. Yeah, twelve minutes and thirty seconds. We're gonna go. We're gonna go as high as three kingdoms out of five on this one. Solid sixty percent King Haku percentage. All right, sounds good. The second match of the night was Hiroshi, Tanahashi, uh, Ryusuke Taguchi, and Rocky Romero versus Kenta, El Fantasmo, and Taiji Ishimori in a six-man tag team match. I was not expecting the outcome of this. The, the match itself was pretty much exactly what you'd think. And then it went to a WWE-style DQ to set up tomorrow's match. It yeah. felt like SmackDown. Yeah, it was so weird, right? Like, uh, and and this is kind of this is you know I think this is a perfect time to talk about the booking of New Japan because I think there's an expectation with Perosu with Japanese wrestling, um, you know, of 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 clean finishes, right? And and no no weirdness, no no outside interference. You know, it's a very technical um, um a style of wrestling that they have a clear winner, a clear loser, 
And I'm finding more and more and more, you know, and we saw a lot of this during the G1, and we saw a lot of this at Wrestle Kingdom, where it was, mm-hmm. like you said, WWE slash North American booking. We're seeing just pandemonium and, and, and weapons and, 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 and stuff and, and craziness and, and referee interference and stupid referees with stupid faces and heels is going to heal, right? If you watch literally two Bullet Club matches, if you've never seen New Japan before in your life and you watch two Bullet Club matches, as soon as you hit multiple, as soon as you hit plural, you will be sick of interference. All it takes is two because every match is the exact same. If you've seen it once, you've seen it 10,000 times, especially evil. But even this, this like, like Phantasmo, Kenta, they were kind of bringing the bullet club vibe, the garbage wrestling vibe. It's uh, it gets heat. In an era, though, where the fans aren't even allowed to boo. So, yeah, no, I hate it. I think it's absolutely useless. I think it's driving fans away from the product pretty severely. Big time. And I can tell you, uh, I'm part of some Perusu Japanese wrestling uh, Facebook groups, and they are not happy with New Japan right now. Um, even myself. Like, I'm not not that I'm not happy. Like, whatever. I'm going to I'm gonna continue watching. I enjoy it. But there's that side of me that it kind of wants that classic good guy versus bad guy gaijin versus local guy type of match right clear winner clear loser and i'm gonna honestly start watching more all japan more more noah right like that's kind of where i'm at at this point and 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 what what triggered the dq was a shove Yes, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it was just a lame. Uh, Tanahashi shoves down the referee and gets disqualified. So your winners, El Fantasmo, Taiji Ishimori, and Kenta by disqualification, Boris, in eight minutes and 40 seconds. Yeah, very an average wrestling match. Like the six guys in it worked decently together. But at the end of the day, just an average match. We're going to go two and a half kingdoms, Boris. It's a 50%. It's a King Ken Shamrock percentage. Yep, and then we have another six-man tag to talk about as it was Tetsuya Naito, Sonata, and Bushi versus Will Ospreay, Jeff Cobb, and the great Okan. Another, like, pretty standard basic match. But you know what? I think I like this one. Uh, I, I liked it a little more. Well, I did like it a little more. I, you know, Will Ospreay is a great worker. Jeff Cobb's a great worker. Uh, Tetsuya Naito, obviously incredible. And you know what? The great Okan, he's grown on me. He's pretty okay. He's he's not he's not hopeless. He's not as bad as I thought he was. Look, now after seeing the way that Evil and Sonata and other people are acting, great Okan really does not bother me too much. Yeah, exactly right, man. He's he's at least a wrestler trying to have wrestling matches. So you know what? I'm okay with that. So yeah, the Will Ospreay group wins. Uh, nine minutes and 27 seconds. Will beats Bushi with the hidden blade, which is a running forearm to the back of the head. Uh, nine minutes and 27 seconds, as I said. Yeah, we go as high as three kingdoms out of five on this one. It's, uh, you know, it's a solid 60% King Edge percentage. Love it. Love King Edge. All right. The fourth match was one that tugged on my heartstrings, Matt. And that is because I, you know, when I really started watching New Japan around Wrestle Kingdom 8, Wrestle Kingdom 9, whenever Impact uh, and Jeff Jarrett kind of brought uh, New Japan to fight, I think it was 9, you know, I, I just instantly fell in love with a few wrestlers, and one of them being Shibata, uh, Katsuyori Shibata. Like, that man was so good, and right at the height of his popularity in his career, he takes a nasty-looking headbutt. That was all she Gibbs. wrote. 
until now. Gives a nasty Gibbs, looking yeah. headbutt. Yeah. He 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 almost ended his own career dishing out a headbutt yeah. with such fury that he cracked his skull basically. He had a severe hematoma and almost died. And yeah, man, there's a very good chance that this doesn't end well because Shibata is crazy. Even then, I think Shibata quote uh went into business for himself, as Kevin Kelly said. And change the script on the fly in this match here, which I don't think, you know what I mean? I don't think is going to require any kind of discipline or anything at this point because he was feeling himself and it was a huge stage and whatever. But the uh, Shibata just can't be going out there and shooting and changing the script and stuff. You know what I mean? So it has a one time thing in his big return, I understand. But yeah, Shibata comes into the ring in this match grabs a microphone and says we uh, we had like this rule set that I'm throwing out the window. We're doing a real wrestling match, strikes and everything. And they proceeded to have a real wrestling match for 11 minutes and 46 seconds. It was awesome. Yep, so it was Shibata versus Ren Narita. Um, you know, you want Shibata to be in there with people who are going to take care of him, and I think Narita is a perfect example of that. Um, and as you said, they literally changed the script, they flipped the script, and it was just a wrestling match, no rules, no exhibition. It was what it was. It was Shibata versus uh, uh, Narita, Matt. Students this versus match- teacher. Yeah, student versus teacher, exactly. Um, this was this 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 match was so good, and like I said, it tugged on my heartstrings just seeing Shibata back in action and seeing him. He is not look, he's not the same Shibata, but if I if that was if 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 if, if Wrestle Kingdom Night One was the first Shibata match I've ever seen, I would have been a huge fan of his, regardless. Absolutely. Already, he because he's still he's not quite like at that Hall of Fame level that he was at. But at the same time, like he's he's pretty much still Shibata. You know what I mean? And uh, yeah, it was awesome. It was it was uh, Katsuyori Shibata just in there with his his clone, his little mirror man, his little mini me, Red Narita. Hey, so yeah, this match honestly it probably won't make the end of the year list in all likelihood. We're saying this now, January sixth. Who knows? It, it's it's probably not that good. But I could not be a wrestling fan with a beating heart inside of my chest, Boris, and tell you this wasn't great. It was a great match. The wrestler Katsuyori Shibata is back. He died on his own shield five years ago, and he was. Re- resurrected man in front of our own eyes can you imagine yeah yeah dude it was honestly like i I'm just just i'm thinking back to this match and i kind of want to rewatch it myself but, uh, <laughs> right yeah i know that's, so that's good and, and that's like, what it, wrestling is that's exactly what wrestling is sometimes wrestling can bring out some some weird emotions in 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 me and the viewer and that's what why i honestly love it like you know uh, wrestling is just it's just it's just fun sometimes it, it just it's 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 an art form and shibata knows how to how to how to how to portray that art absolutely so yeah so i could not tell you that this wasn't great it was a great wrestling match and that means we're going four kingdoms out of five it's an 80 percent macho king randy savage percentage the wrestler is back i love it i love it all right so we go from something amazing to the fifth match of the night, which was Tomohiro Ishii, a one of the favorites here on BAM, versus one of the least favorites on BAM, Evil. Evil's right up there with Baron Corbin for like the least popular guy on the internet in terms of being pro wrestlers. Like Evil is New Japan Baron Corbin, and uh, 
boy, it was it was it was funny coming off that high of that match where I was like, okay, Ishii versus Evil, maybe Ishii's gonna get something good out of him. Maybe this momentum's gonna continue. And there was like a slow car car wreck for twelve minutes, just like, oh no, a terrible match. The worst Ishii's probably looked. He almost dropped Evil on a superplex, almost killed him. This was just a really bad match. I think it was the worst Ishii match I've ever seen. Broke my heart. Had to agree with uh, Dan in the mouth Lavransky on this one. We never ever thought I'd put Ishii in the worst of category, but this is probably going to be a worst of the year contender. Uh, yeah, exactly, exactly. It, it's this match was just no good. This is everything that I was talking about. You know, when I was talking and ranting about the changing and the weird booking of New Japan Pro Wrestling, that North American booking, this match is exactly what I'm talking about. It was just 12 minutes of garbage, yeah. especially when you have a clinician. A, a, a an absolute beast in the ring like Ishii and he should be able to have a good match with Evil um, but I guess it should be noted that this match was for the never open weight championship I hate this title I just don't like this um, and uh, Evil yeah. ends up winning after a bunch yeah, of shimajas Ishii actually actually came in as champion. It was his first defense, and he loses the title due to a ton of bullshit to Evil. The official match time was 12 minutes and 10 seconds, according to the New Japan website. Evil wins with everything is evil, which is an STO. Garbage, bullshit. Ishii had the worst match on Wrestle Kingdom. What is this world? What is life? What is love? Boris, don't hurt me. Don't hurt me no more. Sixth match of the night was Zack Sabre <laughs> Jr. I love the fact that we just didn't even rate the match. You might as well rate. Did you rate it? I don't, I, I stopped listening. I, I'm to not you. sure. Yeah, we're gonna go. <laughs> That's probably for the best. We're gonna go one kingdom out of five. It's a it's a twenty percent. It's a king ass percentage bonus. This match was king ass. Oh man, <laughs> this show's going off the rails very quick. Um, <laughs> the sixth match of the night. Uh, was luckily a good rebound match, just like after a broken, horrible relationship. You need that one good rebound. <laughs> I'm sure you're okay, buddy. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> uh, virtual hug, man. It's going to be all right. You know? You know, every, everything is fine. I don't know what's wrong with me today. Um, <laughs> the sixth match of the night. Zack Sabre Jr. and Tai Chi, your champions versus Hiroki Goto and Yoshi Hashi for the IWGP Heavyweight Tag Team Championship. Matt, this match was a good rebound match. I love the four guys. And honestly, I, I maintain and I will die on the hill of this point, And that is that Goto, just like Ishii, is one of the most underutilized wrestlers in all of New Japan Pro Wrestling. He's definitely very technically strong, Goto is. He can't really complain about his in-ring work. There's something like he just kind of fails to connect in a way. Like even Ishii, I think it's Ishii's extraordinary selling that helps him connect with any audience, any wrestling fan of any age. But uh, yeah, Goto is, Goto is still very good for sure. Also, Yoshihashi, we've said it many times, probably one of the most improved wrestlers in all of 2021. And he yeah. starts 2022 with a Canadian destroyer. 
Absolutely. Yoshi Hashi, the Hashi destroyer. Yeah, yeah, man. He's definitely like shockingly improved because he was one of the worst wrestlers in the company for a long time. But now he's just pretty good. He's just a pretty good mid carter. He's like a he reminds he kind of looks like Miz. He's like a slightly better Japanese Miz in terms of in-ring style. He does more fancy stuff like destroyers, but he just he has a Miz-ish vibe in his in-ring work. That is so interesting. I think I, I I can't ever say I've heard anyone describe Yoshihashi <laughs> as the Japanese Miz. There's a little bit of it though. Hey, tell me I, I, next time. Watch Yoshihashi. He gives me some Miz vibes in terms of his work. But yeah, oh. I, I did think this was a strong match. I really did. Uh, yeah. So. Yoshihashi and Hiroki Goto win the IWGP Heavyweight Tag Team Championships with uh, their finishing move. I believe they call it Naraku. It's uh, uh, yeah, it was uh, it was a, a solid match. I'm sad to see Zack Saber Jr. kind of have a low position on this Wrestle Kingdom show. I really think like they're underutilizing him as much as anyone because Zack Saber Jr. is brilliant. He's just absolutely incredible. What a fantastic wrestler. But at the same time, it's Yoshihashi's time, Boris. And hey, that's okay with me. Yep. We're gonna go. Uh, we're gonna go as high as three and a half kingdoms on this one. It's a B. It's a solid seventy percent. Uh, King Xavier Woods percentage. Yeah. In my notes, I have it called the Super Shoto. The Super Shoto. Maybe that's uh, yeah. That, fair enough. Perhaps that is the name of it. But yeah, exactly. I like this match a lot. All right, so the seventh match of the night was El Desperado, your champion, versus Hiromu Takahashi for the IWGP Junior Heavyweight Championship. Matt, this was, okay, I should say, this was my, I don't want to say match of the night. This is probably the silver medal match for me in the grand scheme of things in terms of actual in-ring yeah, that makes sense. I can definitely, I can see your argument there. I, I would say for sure Shibata, but this was a very, very good match. I can see what you're saying. Uh, man, Hiromu's underrated too. Hiromu is so good. We don't appreciate just how groundbreaking, how incredible a wrestler Hiromu he Takahashi. He needs to stay healthy. That's yes. literally the only thing holding him back. He needs to stay healthy, have one year where he doesn't miss time because of injury uh, because I'm, I'm convinced that last year was going to be his year. I'm convinced that last year he was going to make a hell of a run in the heavyweight division, uh, but right now, you know, he's stuck back in the junior heavyweight division just because like, you know, it's a, what can you do with the, when the guy's always away? Now, it makes a lot of sense, man. Yeah, and it's not, it's not anyone's fault, but yeah, it does suck that he's uh, so often injured, but he works that crazy style that is just going to take its toll on a human body, period, so... Yeah, exactly. And this match, like, these two have a, have great matches. Like, uh, you know, the, the uh, they're so good together. Um, I, I remember a few years ago, uh, I was not a huge fan of El Desperado at all, but he's really, really grown on me quite a bit. Uh, and, and you know, he, I, I typically now watch out for his matches. Hiromu's always been one of my favorite wrestlers. Uh, but, uh, yeah, this match was a lot of fun. This is one of the matches that I would say you should go out and watch. Uh, and Desperado is, is essentially gets two pinche locos on Takahashi to get the win and keep his IWGP junior heavyweight belt. Yes, the pinche loco is the uh, it's the old angels wings from uh, Christopher Daniels. Uh, also, it, it's a double underhook face buster. Also similar to the fairy tale ending from Tommaso Ciampa. Boris, what does pinche loco mean in English? Uh, pinche loco means like a crazy fucker, like crazy, yeah. crazy dude, crazy bastard. 
Yeah, I, I uh, according to Google Translate, it means fucking crazy. So there yeah. you go. Yeah. Um, very, very good. I'm glad we could sort that out for the listener. I would go as high as three and three quarter kingdoms on this one, buddy. 75% King Seamus percentage. Yep. All right. And this leads us to the match of the night, which was the eighth and main event for the IWGP World Heavyweight Championship. Your champion, Shingo Takaki versus Kashuska Okada. Yeah, just an absolutely incredible match. 35 minutes and 44 seconds. Okada wins the title clean in the middle of the ring at the Tokyo Dome. It was actually the first time that he's won the title at the Tokyo Dome as a challenger. He's defended it as the champion. And obviously he's won matches at the Tokyo Dome, you know, like before. But this was the first time that he was the world title challenger and won the belt in the Tokyo Dome. So, very interesting little trivia note there. Okada beats Shingo Takagi, and this was an incredible match. I liked it more than Danielson versus Page slightly, just just you know, just by a hair, but just by a fingernail. But uh, I thought this was absolutely incredible. And yep. the, the next one was the, the next main event was even better. But we we're gonna go as high as four and a half kingdoms on this one, Boris. Ninety percent, A plus, beautiful wrestling match. Go out of your way to find it. Shingo Takagi versus Kazuchika Okada from night one of Wrestle Kingdom 16. Yep, exactly. It was such a good match. Uh, Matt, do you have any final words on night one before we move on to night two? Uh, no, not really. It was a, an interesting show. Some really high highs, but some very low lows. And boy, she was long. Clocked in at five hours and 15 minutes if you include the pre-show. Yeah, and I watched this live. Oh, wow. What time did it start? 3 a.m. Eastern? 2 a.m. The Rumble started. Wow. So that's literally an all-nighter. That's a yeah. full-ass all-nighter. Yep, exactly. It was just crazy. Um, but, yeah, no, it was a fun overall, like I say. I think, you know, like like I say, what I liked, I really liked, and what I didn't like, I hated. So it's kind of balanced itself out, right? Like, for me, it was an average show at best. That, yeah, that makes a lot of sense, man. I could see that. I think, like, you call it above average just because it had a four-and-a-half-star match and the great Shibata return. But also, I don't ever want to sit through that five hours again in my life. I won't. You can't make me. Yep. All right, let's move on to night two. And we had a couple matches in the pre-show. The first match was a six-man tag. You had Yuji Nagata, uh, Togi Makabe, and Tomoaki Hanma versus Bad Luck Fale, Gato, and Jado. Jado and Gato from the ECW days. Um, yeah, yes, sir. This was a match. Yeah, it was a match. Team Bullet Club, Jado, Gato, and Bad Luck Fale actually lose Tomoaki Hanma gets the, the the clean pin with the Kokeshi, which is a falling headbutt from the middle rope. You can't really call it a jumping or diving headbutt. It's more of a falling headbutt, Borish. Yeah. Borish. But, uh, but yeah, <laughs> Jeremy Borash. But, yes, man, I thought this was uh, not without its charm. It's always fun to see the old guys mix it up. But, again, you can't call it a good match in any uh, respect, any stretch of the word. Yep, exactly. Um, this match was okay. Like it wasn't anything crazy. You 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 get you, you got teased a lot of the um, the BS happening uh, with the Bullet Club, but it didn't go full Bullet Club this match, which I t truly do appreciate. Um, and you know, it was a pre-show match. Well, well, how how hard can you really judge a New Japan pre-show match, Matt? How would you rate this match, regardless? 
We're going to go two kingdoms out of five for this one, Boris. A nice, clean 40%. Slight fail, but good effort. 40% King Mabel percentage on this one. Yep. All right. The second match of the pre-show was also a six-man tag, and it was uh, Hiroyoshi Tenzin versus Satoshi Kojima and Master Wato versus El Desperado, uh, Kanemaru, and Takamichi Noku. Yes, I believe that is Suzuki Goon action there. Yep. Uh, yeah. yeah, Master Wato, Satoshi Kojima, and Hiroshi Tenzin. On. Get the win here in this pre-show six-man tag. Master Watto submitting El Despi submits the junior heavyweight champion. Boris looking like Master Watto versus El Desperado for the junior heavyweight title. You might be getting your wish of Hiromu moving up because if he's not going for the title, he's probably out of that division entirely. That's exactly it. And I, I'm a fan of, Mas of Master Watto. I kind of like him, right? Yeah, he's all right. He's like a weird, like, undercard character, but I don't dislike him, like the weird Zen Master character. So, yeah, Master Watto wins with a submission a submission he calls Vendival, which is it's a Zack Sabre Jr. style, like, leg, grapevine, pull on the neck, seated octopus hold kind of situation. Yep. All right. And the third pre-show match was also a six-man tag, and it was your typical LIJ versus Suzuki good match. Uh, team LIJ was Shingo Takaki, uh, Hirumu Takahashi, and Bushi versus Zack Sabre Jr., Taichi, and Dookie. Dookie, yeah. Oh, man. Uh, Shingo Takagi beat the Dookie out of this young man. Absolutely. Yeah, 10 minutes and 28 seconds. Shingo wins with Last of the Dragon, which is his finisher. It's like a wrist clutch fireman's carry sit out uh, death bomb of doom. And uh, yeah, he uh, avenged his loss yesterday. He's starting at square one, but uh, he looked pretty dominant in victory here. So I like that. Yep, agreed. I, I, yeah, exactly. That's a, the match was okay. Again, pre-show match. It was what it was. Matt, how would you rate it? We're gonna go as high as three kingdoms out of five. Solid sixty percent. Solid C. It's a it's a sixty percent king triple H percentage. All right, this leads us into the main card, and the first match was a triple threat match for the IWGP Junior Heavyweight Tag Team Championship. You had Robbie Eagles and Tiger Mask, your champions, versus El Fantasmo and Ishimori, uh, Team Bullet Club, versus Taguchi and Rocky Romero. So I like how New Japan does this. It's actually the same in the video game Wrestling Empire if you play that game. If you're in a multi-man match and you get disqualified, you're tossed out of the match, but the other combatants in the match continue. So there are disqualifications yes. in triple threat matches. It just removes you from the triple threat match and then it becomes a singles match or a tag team match or whatever it is. So I actually really like that rule in pro wrestling. I think it makes a lot of sense and, you know, it kind of made this match a little interesting. Having said that, this felt longer than the 12 minutes it was it wasn't the best match i've ever seen but i still overall i enjoyed watching it was pretty good yep exactly um yeah exactly so team bully club was essentially dq'd out of the match quickly um and that left uh robbie eagles and tiger mass versus taguchi and Rome rocky romero in the match and you know like it, it, it was what it was right like um all good wrestlers but I've seen better, and there are better out there. Uh, so, yeah, so your winners and still tag team champions, Robbie Eagles and Tiger Mask. Uh, the Eagles connected with a turbo backpack for uh, for a two count, but then Eagles makes Romero tap out with the Ron Miller special. 
Yes, the Ron Miller special is like a calf crusher, like Indian deathlock kind of situation, like a leg submission. And yeah, flying tiger of Robbie Eagles and Tiger Mask four win this match. 12 minutes and seven seconds. We're going to go as high as three kingdoms out of five for this one. It's a, you know, solid 60% king of hearts, Owen Hart percentage, Boris. Yes. All right, the second match I want to take a little bit of time to talk about, and that is because I think you and I have become the official cheerleaders here in North America for uh, stardom. And this match <laughs> uh, kind of featured some four awesome workers, and I think they did stardom proud. And I hope people caught this match, and I hope people go out and watch some more stardom because the second match of Wrestle Kingdom, and personally, I love the fact that this match was even in the main card, and it was yeah. Starlight Kid and Mayu Iwatani versus Saya uh, Kamitani and Tam Nakano. Yes, awesome little quick little tag team match. Uh like the opposite of the previous match. The previous match was 12 minutes and it kind of felt like 20 and this match was nine minutes and it felt like two. It felt like it was over instantly. I wanted it to go on for at least double the length. This could have been 18 minutes. I wouldn't have batted an eyelash, but, but I quite were, enjoyed this they match. They were working so fast that like the exchanges were yeah. fast. They were fluid. Um, you know, it was a very fun match and I think it served its purpose of highlighting how fun, how different, how innovative stardom can actually be. And a shout out to, to Kevin Kelly with a nice line. It sounded like hyperbole, but I promise you it wasn't when he said that the uh, the match from June 12th, Siuri versus Utami Hayashishita from June 12th, 2021 was literally one of the greatest professional wrestling matches ever. I appreciated that he shouted that out because that is true. That is absolutely correct. Go see that one if you haven't seen it yet. But yeah, stardom's looking good. Stardom is like, since 2020 has really taken a step up since the pandemic, they're really navigating this pandemic well. It's awesome to see. Yep, exactly. And honestly, like as a complete side note, I have a weird feeling that this is where Tony Storm is going to come back to just because this is the perfect time and she's like just the perfect fit for stardom. I wonder if the fact that it's going to be overseas, like, well, Juice Robinson is not over there. He's more with Impact right now. And I, I wonder if they will both go back overseas as a tandem group. I can t I could totally see that. But, yeah, I wonder if the fact that Juice is over is, is back stateside might change that plan a little bit. We shall see. But I hope I hope Tony Storm goes back to stardom because she was dope there. Oh, yeah. All right. Kamitani plants kid with the Phoenix Splash to pick up the win for her team. So your winners were Saya Kamitani and Tem Nakano. They won via pinfall in just under 10 minutes. We're going to, yeah, nine minutes and 14 seconds. Kamitani pinned Starlight Kid with the Phoenix Splash. Like you said, buddy, we're going to go as high as three and a half kingdoms out of five for this one. Uh, it's a solid 70% solid B. Uh, great, great work by Stardom. And how could you watch this match and not want to see more Stardom? Yeah, and then the next match, which, you know, yeah. this whole King of Pro Wrestling stuff, it is what it is. It's not my cup of tea. It's other people's cup of tea. It's there. Um, it highlights this is basically the Toru Yanu division. This is, like, uh, for me, this is the equivalent of uh, R-Truth and the 24-7 belt. Great call. That's exactly what this is. It's kind of the bathroom break, the lower card, shenanigans, hijinks, little bit of fun title. And yeah, Toriyanu is basically our truth. He's basically Reginald, except a ground-based Pokemon. Reginald is very much an air-based Pokemon. But uh, yeah, man, I, I thought this was uh, pretty, you know, it was kind of bad. Exactly. It was so, this six-minute fatal four-way. 
Exactly. The third match was a fatal four-way. Uh, Toriyana versus Chase Owens versus Sima versus Minoru Suzuki. It pains me so much to see Minoru Suzuki in this position. But here we are, and it pains me even more to see Sima in this position with strong hearts because those guys are so talented. Man, what I would I would have paid so much money just to watch Minoru Suzuki versus Sima. Oh, my God. Yeah, they should have just given us that match. I hope they do down the road for this King of Pro Wrestling Championship. That'd be kind of interesting use of this. Instead of just being like bullshit comedy matches, it could be like Minoru Suzuki wrestling people from Noah or from, you know, whatever it might be, Dragon Gate or wherever they can find people, freelancers like Sima now is. Yeah, exactly. So Minoru Suzuki ends up winning somehow. Um Sure, I don't know. Whatever yeah. you can take this Suzuki. Over. I forgot. I actually, I actually forget who he hit with the gotch style pile driver. But he did win with the pile Yana. driver. Six minutes and eight seconds. Minoru Suzuki. He, he pinned Yano with it, right? Yep. Minoru Suzuki, your provisional king of pro wrestling. Yep. All right. Fourth match was a six man tag team. Was for the never open weight six man tag team championship. Man, that's a that's a mouthful. Uh, it was <laughs> Evil Show and Takahashi uh, versus Hiroki Go to Yoshihashi and Yo. Yeah, more horseshit, bullshit shenanigans and tomfoolery and Bullet Club win via. Uh, what NewJapanProWrestling.com, NJPW1972.com is calling cover. The finishing move was cover, Boris, because they just beat the shit out of people with weapons and then just kind of won. So yep. nine minutes and 37 seconds, worst match of Wrestle Kingdom contender. But I actually think the Ishii match was worse than this, but right on that level. One kingdom out of five, 20%, I don't know, King Haku percentage. That's an, that's an insult to King Haku. Yeah, I don't want him hearing that. All right, the <laughs> fifth match of the night was Sonata versus the Great Ocon. Yeah, fifth match of the uh, of the actual card. I believe it was like eighth match of this night. Anyway, Sonata versus Great Ocon. Uh, this was where I kind of realized, you know what? Ocon is good enough to get a halfway decent match out of Sonata. Ocon's actually a good wrestler. I, I need to give him more respect because I kind of thought he was a big, stiff, dumb idiot. <laughs> but he's actually pretty good. Ocon's pretty good. Yeah, exactly. Um, Sonata ends up winning via pinfall. Uh, Sonata, he connected with the Japanese leg clutch, and he uh, got the victory that way, so your winner was Sonata. How long was this match? I don't have that it in was, my notes. Yeah, 13 minutes and 21 seconds, and yeah, like you said, the, the Japanese leg clutch roll, the O'Connor bridge, as NJPW1972 is calling it, I'll go as high as three kingdoms out of five for this one. Solid C. Solid, you know, King uh, King X, Xbox never won the King of the Ring. Uh, King Kurt Angle. Solid King Kurt Angle. Percentage. Okay. Sure, we'll use that. Um, <laughs> let me tell you this. It is interesting taking notes on wrestling at 4 a.m. <laughs> yeah, I couldn't imagine. Your, your notes are probably pretty crazy right now. Oh yeah, exactly. Especially like when you're trying to when you're texting with someone, they're like, "What are you doing?" I'm like, "Oh, watching wrestling." It's like, "Do you ever not watch wrestling?" I'm like, "No." And this <laughs> leads us into the sixth match of the night, which was my boy Naito versus Jeff Cobb. And let me let me start this off by saying I was so disappointed in this match on the card. Not because I don't think they were gonna didn't think that they were gonna have a great match, but it is because I think Naito is the best in new japan i think he he's my boy he's my guy um he deserves so much better than what he gets and i was so disappointed that in my opinion he was just 
going to be used to build up Jeff Cobb. And boy, oh boy, was I surprised. Yeah, nice little. I was actually surprised at this finish, too, because I thought Jeff Cobb was getting the win. But Jeff Cobb appears to be shoot injured. He appears he appears to have a real actual leg injury that they kind of played up in this match. They kind of used a little bit, but it does. It does appear that Jeff Cobb is injured and he might miss some time. So it was the smart thing. The only good thing to do was to have Naito win this match, which he did Boris 15 minutes and 34 seconds with Destino. And I thought this was pretty good, although it was slightly hurt by Jeff Cobb's knee injury. They didn't quite hit that great match level, but it was still Naito versus Jeff Cobb. Like these guys could sleep into the sleepwalk backwards into a good match. Exactly. Now, the next match is an interesting match. Um, You know, on paper, this match is amazing. This match is going to be technical. This match is going to be beautiful. This match is going to be, you know, full of art and pageantry. But that's not what we got for this match. And that's the seventh match of the night for the IWGP United States Heavyweight Championship. Your champion, Kenta versus Hiroshi Tanahashi in a no DQ match. This was the poor man's version of one of my absolute favorite matches of all time. Triple H versus Shawn Michaels from SummerSlam 2002. That match is incredible. That's a five-star classic. This match was the poor man's version of that match. This match was, it, it didn't have any of the nuance and the beauty and what made that match special. But it did have all of the car crashy, set up a spot for an hour, and then jump off the ladder. Uh, you know, fun. So, again, much like the previous match, I would actually rate them both the same i wouldn't give it uh, a great match status but it was it was it was right below that it was very very entertaining throughout held my attention but uh you couldn't call it great because there was just too much of boris your favorite thing in wrestling lying around and waiting for the next move yes rebob um yeah so like i said this match was a match that I was really looking forward to, uh, but you know, as soon as I saw that it was no DQ on the card, it really took me out of it. And seeing this actual match, I don't know, there's just something about Tanahashi in this type of match. But in the English commentary, I will give tons of credit to Kevin Kelly because he basically said after the match that this is not the way that Tanahashi wanted to win this match, but by any means necessary against someone like Kenta. Absolutely. And I think Kevin Kelly did a phenomenal job, as did Chris Charlton on both of these shows. But yeah, shout out to Kevin Kelly for pointing that out. Really well done. Tanahashi is a classic baby face. He doesn't want to resort to these tactics. But, you know, sometimes you got to dig down dirty to beat a heel. Like sometimes you got to hit him on his level. So Kenta loses the IWGP US title to Hiroshi Tanahashi after Tanahashi hits a high fly flow from the very top of a ladder through a table. This was just a garbage weapons match between Tanahashi and Kenta. I actually kind of really liked it, although I didn't tell you it was great. I would give both Tanahashi and Kenta and Naito versus Jeff Cobb the same rating, which is three and three quarter kingdoms. Solid 75% B plus in Canada. Yeah, I feel like you're rating it a little higher than I would, but that's uh, to each their own, right? Um, I was just expecting so much more this match, and I, I'm just over the garbage. And that's if I'm gonna watch garbage, I'm gonna watch GCW, right? If I'm gonna watch garbage, I'm gonna watch Nick Gage versus some guy, you know, like that. That's I'm not I'm not tuning in to New Japan to watch this type of match. That makes a lot of sense, man. That's a very fair point. I have no uh, I have no rebuttal. Yeah, that's just, you know, it is what it is, though. Yeah. We got to stop saying that. All right. The eighth <laughs> match of the night and your main event 
was Okada, your champion, versus Will Ospreay, also your champion, kind of, for the IWGP World Heavyweight Championship. Yeah, former champion. You could say Okada was an interim champion if you wanted to be a dick about it, and Osprey was the real champion. So this was an awesome match to determine who is the true IWGP World Heavyweight Champion. This is the best match so far in the very young 2022. Absolutely incredible stuff. If you wanted to tell me it was five stars or whatever, the best possible match that a match could possibly be, I would accept that. I would think that that's fair. I don't think it was a perfect match, but at the same time, it was it was incredible. This was so good, man. Will Ospreay hit a moonsault in this wrestling match from like, what was it? Legitimately, probably 12, 15 feet in the air. And he landed it on his feet just like just like a cat. I don't know how this guy didn't just absolutely explode his ankles and knees out the back of his legs, but man, Will Ospreay is just so incredible in the ring, and Okada just is, is a genius at laying matches out. He's still he's still got his athleticism. That drop kick still looks crisp. This this is just incredible work. Just absolutely top level professional wrestling. Yep, exactly. I absolutely love this match. This match was so good. Honestly, we can describe every move in this match. We can talk about the end. We can talk about the middle. But the story was essentially Will Ospreay was just a little too cocky for Okada. He smartened up a little bit closer to the end, but it was too little, too late because Okada started hitting the Rainmakers and uh, Okada ends up winning, man. And he is still your IWGP World Heavyweight Champion. And that was Wrestle Kingdom for the matches. Yes, sir. We're going to go again. We're going to go four and a half kingdoms out of five. 90% Bret Hart percentage on this one. And it's the match of the year right now, in my opinion. All right. Now, after the match, Okada is talking on the mic. He's, you know, thanking everyone for coming out. He's talking about respect and how he, what type of champion he plans to be. And that is when Tetsuya Naito comes down to the ring and nice. he declares himself the next challenger for the IWGP World Heavyweight Championship. Boy, I'm all for this. Unfortunately, I know Naito's not going to win, but it will be very cool to see this. Yeah, there's no chance that Naito wins the championship. Okada's going on a nice long run and cementing himself as one of, if not the greatest wrestler in New Japan history on the 50th anniversary. That's, in my opinion, how this year is going to play out. But, man, we're going to get some Okada versus Naito matches, and those are going to be good. Yep. Now, um, one thing I did forget to mention about this match in terms of storytelling is that once Will Ospreay, Will Ospreay did smarten up and take the match super serious, did you notice that he started using the moves of everyone who recently-ish beat Okada, like V-Triggers? No, actually, that's a really nice little. Well, I did notice the V triggers, like because I mean, that's I I didn't actually notice that he had used a couple more. Maybe I missed them, but yeah, yeah, he that's started really using that... moves like Ibushi would. He started using, you know, he started using moves from other people um, nice. to kind of try to, to try to win. He's like, hey, if these people can win with these moves, so can I, mate. It makes a lot of sense. Yeah, and it is worth noting that Okada kicked out of everything that Osprey has. And Osprey got beat by one Rainmaker. He hit one clean, good Rainmaker and got him. So I love that a lot. It put Okada over super, super strong. Just a brilliant match, man. Exactly. It was a really a brilliant match, man. What else can we say about this match? 
Not not too much, buddy. I think we've done a good job. But yeah, that's going to do it for BAM this week. Next week, we're going to have kind of a Noah show. Noah-centric. We're going to talk about the big main event from Pro Wrestling Noah, the new year, which happened on January 1st. I don't think either of us have actually had a chance to see it yet, but we're going to watch it next week. That was Go Shiozaki versus Katsuhika Nakajima. We're going to have a review of that match, and we're going to have a review of Wrestle Kingdom Night 3, which is New Japan versus Noah. And we're going to be talking some Impact Wrestling, Hard to Kill, because that's happening this Saturday. So that's what we're going to be talking about on the wrestling side. You calm down. You calm yourself. I can't promise you that I'm watching that one, big homie. Yeah, well, don't worry about it. I'll, I'll, I, I, got, I got it, bro. Anyways, <laughs> um, if you're listening to us on the Sunday night's main event feed, just remember that tomorrow, Friday, you are going to be getting All Elite Weekly as the old fucks talk all things AEW Dynamite. Then on Saturday, you're getting not one, but two shows as the Smack Daddies are back talking a live episode of SmackDown. And then the dark side of the lead, they're going to be rolling out as they talk about Rampage on the rollout show. Then on Sunday, Saturday night, you're, I guess you're getting three shows on Saturday. Depends on when we record. But Mike, the newest addition to the SNME team, Mike McGuire and I are going to be talking AEW's Battle of the Belts featuring Cody versus Sammy Guevara, which that match should be good. Uh, and then on Sunday, we are back to ya as uh, Sunday night's main event, uh, you know, uh, main show comes to you. If you're a patron, you get the show a little early. And if you're a freeloader, you don't get in until Monday or you have to listen on the classic terrestrial radio. Yes, Baby. sir. The main show, the main show, the mothership. We might be doing a hot tag. We might be doing a run in quick little uh, quick little weapons shot off the top rope, perhaps on the on the show. But uh, yeah, man, feeling good about pro wrestling. It's already been an incredible year. Too many things to watch and keep up with. But we're going to try. We're going to do our best here at BAM. Exactly. We watch wrestling, so you don't have to. That tends to be what we talk about here on SNME, and I think Bam really summarizes that. Uh, so once again, if there's something that you want us to watch, send us a message. Find us on the Facebook group. Um, if you're coming to us from the Bam feed, check out Sunday Night's Main Event Radio feed. Go SNME Radio. Join the Facebook group. Do what you got to do. Thank you for listening. He's Matt. I'm Boris. Happy New Year and goodbye. Yeah, yeah, yeah.